Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. Today, we have Jeanette Pruitt on the show. She heads up the internal audit department at TDECU. Usually, I don't know, this might be the first actually time we've ever given any kind of backstory into uh, a company's founding, but just this one liner I thought was super interesting. So, uh, founded in 1955, TDECU formed when a group of Dow employees pitched in $5 each to loan a friend $35 to buy a refrigerator. I thought that was pretty cool. So that is how the Texas Dow Employees Credit Union was started. Some of the topics that Jeanette and I hit on is how we can develop partnerships with the third line uh, and why they are so important. How Jeanette has been able to get that seat at the table that we often talk about. Uh, How she's been able to help her organizations reach their strategic goals. And then of course, uh, one of the hottest topics of the show so far this year is hiring and retaining talent. Uh, Jeanette has some unique advice that we've heard on the show anyway, and something I think is going to help a lot of folks out. So definitely check that out. Here we go. So I know, uh, Jeanette, when we talked off camera, we had talked about third line and second line uh, partnerships and how important that is to you. That was one of the um, areas of interest that you were kind of like, that's what you know I want to get across, if nothing else. And so how, how have you developed those partnerships? How can we develop those partnerships and why are they so important? I've been fortunate to have worked in both lines of defense, second and third. And so I have a lot of insight into what the second line of defense does and the value that they provide. And I think that through partnerships between the first and third and the second line, we can get more coverage, more in-depth analysis and more meaningful results that really add value for um, the company or the organization. Uh, second line of defense has tends to have a stronger relationship with management. They yeah. tend to have management's ear and they're in there and management is more, you know, the walls are down. They, they speak more candidly with the second line of defense. So second line of defense really has an, an opportunity to really add value and, and coach and, and teach management and, and, and encourage them on building out their internal controls because they have the, you know, they just have those relationships. Sure. They have that baited with an opportunity to to do that a lot more than internal audit. We're on a tighter time frame when we're doing an audit examination. Of course, we're more independent and objective. Uh, but second line owns a better, tends to have a better relationship with management and has management, management's ear. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> I a- think that. They, they're able to do a deeper dive with, when issues come up. Um, and I think it's important for internal audit, the second and the third line to share their schedules or like their audit schedules, their mm-hmm. risk management schedules for the year. It's important for them to understand risk, what the risks are and making sure they're, they're in sync in terms of risk identification, measuring the risk. It's like 
when we consider something high or critical, is that the same? Are we measuring it at the same level that the second line of defense is right. measuring it? So that's that's a difficult place to get to, but it's a very valuable place to get to. So we both are speaking prioritization in terms of criticality of issues in the same in the same manner. Okay. Uh, so yeah, sharing and the audit plans, just meeting on a regular basis, understanding what 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 the schedules are, and even collaborating on um, you know what what risk risk assessment work the second line of defense has completed can help internal audit and vice versa. And sharing the schedule so we're not in inconveniencing management, you know, yeah. too much at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And if in a perfect world, everyone would have the software um, that they would need in order to facilitate that a little bit easier, maybe. Um, but a lot of folks don't in internal audit and compliance might not have those resources. So is it, would you boil it down largely to, all right, let's get on a routine meeting schedule and let's stay in communication. Like, Hey, we can't afford this, you know, maybe uber expensive software, but if we bo almost boiled it down, is it relationships, communication, um, and, and really just kind of staying in front of each other to stay on the same plan? Yeah, I could boil, we could boil it down that way. Definitely. Okay. A regular cadence for meeting, um, it, even informal meetings, because we definitely have, we have like uh, a risk management and internal audit like committee. Yeah, that we you know both areas tend to uh, sit on those committees, but even having those informal touch points, maybe on a monthly basis in terms of what's you know what 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 are you what's coming up and what are you identifying? What are some of the concerns you run across? Uh, are you going to be able to execute on your plan? Are there areas you feel like you're going to fall short? Is are those areas we may be able to pick up and do work with you know that we can collaborate on? Okay, <laughs> perfect. And you mentioned that um, it's almost if nothing else, or maybe another benefit of it is because of the relationship that Second Line has with management, uh, could almost help you with that relationship there to ultimately kind of get that seat at the table. Um, and I know that's something else you wanted to hit on. So how have you been able to get that seat at the table? I would say I'm still working on the ultimate seat at the table because yeah, yeah. I've only been with uh, the organization for uh, six months now. But I, I kind of look at any table that I'm sitting at it's important for me to make sure I be that become be, I, I'm viewed as a trusted advisor. Yeah, yeah. I'm viewed as a partner in in being able to provide help internally as opposed to an external auditor. Uh, and, and I would like to make sure management understands as internal auditors, we tend to we have a broader view of the entire organization, right? So we kind of know where there are weaknesses in the control environment, we know where things need to be shored up. We know when management is trying to take on new risks, we know if that's gonna exasperate an already, you know, difficult situation and man that that line of business may be managed trying to manage through. So we have that insight into the broader view of where some of the where some of the control gaps are. Yeah. And we have an understanding of what the expectations are, right, from the regulators. Uh and so how they will be valued, uh how they will be viewed from external parties. We have that insight that we can bring to the table. And I like, I always, to me, it always never made sense to me when I would talk to a group and there's not as much of a focus on the strategic initiatives of the organization. Like, I feel like that's where we should spend a decent amount of our time as internal auditors. And I get that there's compliance activities and SOCs. And so some of that you just kind of have to deal with and maybe you don't have the resources 
depending on the way the um, audit department's designed or again, just resources. But um, I think helping meet strategic goals or mitigating risks that would help meet strategic goals for the organization is one fantastic way of getting that seat at the table. I mean, if you can go to the CEO, the C-suite and go, hey, look, you know, you had this strategic goal. This is how we helped you get there. And they go, oh, okay. So you guys aren't just like writing reports on us because our account's off by a dollar or whatever. Um, right. So how have you been able to, and I know you're fairly new uh, where you're at right now. How have you been able to maybe jumpstart that where you are or how have you been able to do that in the past? The way I'm looking at doing it now is as we go through the risk assessment process, we have an opportunity to meet with management and find out what they consider to be some of the critical areas, what do they consider to be some of the risk, uh, not only in their department, but in other departments that they think could prohibit the company from achieving their strategic goals. So we use that information to kind of help us. We do an independent assessment and we look at the information from management. We use that to drive our audit plan. Uh, So we're going into areas where management feels like there are things that may be astray that needs to that need to be firmed up so that we can make sure that I, I tell people it, auditors we don't we're not revenue generators we're not a, a revenue center we're a cost center mm-hmm. but our role is to make sure we improve the that income of the company we're not bringing in the funds but we're here to help make sure that that net income number is as high as it can be yeah uh yes yeah, based on you know streamlining processes we can help with that of definitely, you know, putting in internal controls where we don't have losses, operational losses, or we don't have regulatory fines and sanctions and things of that nature that we're paying out that affect the bottom line. Yeah. So we're there to make sure the net income number is as high as it, it needs to be. I right. think that's a great way to put it. And there's a lot of, I think, misunderstanding amongst folks outside of internal audit as to what we do. And I think that's kind of a really nice, you know, elevator pitch almost uh this is what internal audit does and so i'm i'm gonna make note of that and probably steal it and start using it myself so (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that yes go right ahead and even like i mentioned earlier we i'm meeting with other other uh credit unions or uh, internal auditors so we have an i have a round table where i'm i'm understanding what are some of the exposures and losses other credit unions are experiencing Uh so that i can bring that information back yeah make sure we're showing up our control so we don't experience those same losses so yeah that's how we add value i think and it's uh probably no surprise to most by now that uh hiring and retaining employees is (laughs) top of the list for most caes and not even caes but other executives other managers etc it's just um something that is just going on throughout just the business world right now um So when you bring those new folks on, how are you training them to kind of reduce the learning curve? Because you want to be able to not only get the right person, but then onboard them um, quickly to where they can almost hit the ground running. What what approaches have you taken to help do that? Yes, that's a great question. We have a formal onboarding process. We have like a checklist we go through to make sure we introduce them to the right persons. We plug them into we have a number of learning opportunities that are internal that we can that we plug them into to give them exposure to the areas they're they're going to be auditing, and then we're hiring people who don't necessarily have you know internal audit experience or necessarily credit union experience. So there are there are different uh, external uh, learning 
resources that we're utilizing for that. Like the IAA has a foundational practitioners uh, training that we send people through who are new to internal audit. Uh, and then the credit union has a, a kind of entry level credit union type of a training that we send people to as well. So we use those inter- internal resources in terms of training. Definitely, you know, the on-the-job job training, we go with a system to, uh, in understanding our processes by taking them through an audit, just discussing how we go about completing an audit as well. And I'll, I'll add one other point related to the relationship between the second and third line. Okay. I think it's great to share resumes or even share uh, resources. Uh, I know some people want an opportunity to learn more about internal audit. And people are aware of people in internal audit who want to want to learn more about compliance or risk management, inter- enterprise risk management, operational risk, risk management. So sharing those resources, sharing those resumes, those candidates, I think it's beneficial to both groups as well. Okay. And that's and another way to train people up and, you know, get them more exposure uh, to risk management in general. I was reading the other day an article that was talking about, again, hiring, uh, retaining, and it was... And this is the mindset our when I was in school anyway, that they taught us like as almost a way to build confidence going into the because first job out of school, like all, you know, every interview almost was uh, there's more pressure, I think, then than there would be now. Um, just even getting used to the interview process, all that stuff. And so the mindset that they put into us was you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. You need to make sure it's a good fit for you and don't just take, you know, here's a job. OK, I'm going to take it. Um, and so I, I was reading an article the other day and they were making that point that with, I guess, Gen Z and maybe even millennials, they kind of come into that mindset of, I'm going to interview you to make sure this is a good fit for me. And so in thinking about that, and especially you're talking about this checklist and this formalized onboarding process, if I was being interviewed for a position, which means that I would be then be interviewing the person interviewing me for the position to see if I wanted to go there. If someone said, hey, look, day one, we've got this onboarding uh, checklist. And so we're going to make sure that like you're successful from the jump before you even, you know, get into the audit management system or, you know, whatever the, the you know, maybe an example might be. We're going to make sure that you meet with these people, that you build relationships with these people. We have built it out for you so that so that you are uh, successful. And I think that would be almost an advantage if you're hiring folks right now and struggling, I think to have something like that, if I was interviewing, I would go, okay, they like, they clearly have it together. They clearly care about me and the, my success at this organization. Um, so I think that was a great point. Yes. It's one of the first things I put in place is an onboarding checklist. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. So I do love that answer. Do you have anything else? Uh, it sounds like you've given this a lot of thought. Is there anything else that you, that we can do to kind of reduce that learning curve for folks? Yeah, the Institute of Internal Auditors has a wealth of information in terms of helping persons understand what the minimum documentation requirements are as you're going through the different phases of an audit examination. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we definitely plug our, our new hires into. So when you're going through the planning phase, what are some of the minimum doc- documents you would expect? The audit planning memo, the risk assessment document, the walkthrough flowcharts or narratives as you get into field work. The test of design documents, the test of operating effectiveness, that type of information is available to the IIA Institute in terms of what the general standards and requirements are. And then we have, we use a lot of templates. So those templates are introduced to the staff and they, we kind of walk them through that to, so they understand why the information is necessary 
so that they understand what the minimum documentation requirements are as they're completing the different phases yeah. of an audit examination. Mm-hmm. And the thing that things that I like, you know, in every profession, job, there's things that you really enjoy, things you don't really enjoy. I always enjoyed the relationships, learning about the business, you know, like it, to me, that's fascinating how like this department works, especially if it's something, you know, understanding how the pharmacy at a hospital works and everything they deal yeah. with, that, that was just interesting to me. The thing I did not like is having to document <laughs> all of that. Yeah. And so anytime uh, we could reduce unnecessary, maybe documentation, I think is uh, absolutely a win. I like that. Meet the minimum requirements that someone else would come in, come in behind you could review your work and come to the same conclusion. Yeah. And I'm like you, just over-documenting, and I've been in workshops where there was what I considered over-documentation requirements. I think that just, it just makes for any, that just creates a lot of inefficiencies and, and frustration. And uh, so, yeah, I just, I like to keep it at a high level, but just definitely make sure you meet the minimum standard. Yeah. I like that. All right, Jeanette, uh, it's been a really great conversation. It's been relatively short, but there's been definitely some actionable items, some takeaways from this that uh, that I have for myself, and uh, I'm sure the audience does too. But lasting or, or, or last words, what do you want to leave the audience with? But just in general, I I, I, I share your, your sentiments in that this is a wonderful profession. Internal audit is a great profession. You have such an, an opportunity to learn so much about the organization or the company. It's a great place to start your career. So you have an opportunity to get that broad understanding of different processes, and uh, how they add value to the organization and the, how different departments are interconnected and how, how it all kind of comes together and fits together. So it's a great profession. I encourage anyone to you know take at least do a rotation uh, through internal audit. And uh, for those existing uh, current auditors, I just would leave you with uh, the note of be bold, challenge the process. We're there to to make things uh, better. And sometimes those are difficult conversations, but that's our role is to be change agents and to, ha- to ask management to kind of think outside the box and think of it from a different perspective. So uh, I would leave that, that note, just be bold and challenge the process. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.